What's up guys and welcome back to the LMF Mindset Podcast. I hope you're all ready to smash out another successful week. Today I have another NFM ambassador with me today. Um, his name is Callum and I'm super excited about this podcast. It was really, really good. Um, he had a lot of really good insights into some of the questions that I had. So on that note, I shall just leave you with it and I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, so this is me with Callum, another NFM ambassador. So Callum, give us a little backstory about yourself before we dive into all the questions. Yes, hi guys, yeah. Um, like Lucy said, I'm one of the ambassadors. Um, I'm 24 from Manchester. Um, and my background is I did my first show um, last April. I did the Miami Pro Worlds, um, came six. Um, kind of went myself down a little bit. Um, my physique was top three, but my posing was awful. <laughs> oh, but, is, that um, why, is that why? Was it your yeah, posing? yeah. Tell you that. No, I could just tell. It, um, it was so evident. I kind of froze and forgot my routine as well. Oh, um, but, yeah, it is what it is. It's all learning curve. Yeah, um, exactly. Since then, I've just took some time off, to be honest. I had an ACL reconstruction on my knee, um, which set me, still set me back nine months later. So I'm just slowly rebuilding from that and hoping to get back on stage and feeling happier as well so this year off I've had is a give me time to clear clear my mind and sort a few things out because I did have a bit of a dip after my last uh, my last show so you had a bit of a dip yeah yeah just just went off the rails totally I just um think I did two shoots two days after which I was buzzing for but uh, because my show had done I just ate what I wanted, so although, um, although like, I knew the, the shoots were there and I was happy for them, I just could not eat at the same time, so there's, yeah. two, pitch, there's two pictures from two different shoots, like a day apart, and they look weeks. Um, really? Yeah, they look, they look like at least two weeks difference just because of the amount of food I ate and the amount I just swallowed up overnight, um, so yeah, it's mad. <laughs> um, and then from there, I took three months off the gym. Didn't do much <laughs> uh, and just Where chilled, really. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually, the first thing I'm going to dive into is the post-show because me and Laura actually had a massive chat about this because I don't think people realise how bad it actually is. In fact, we talk about it quite a lot as an ambassador's group that there needs to be more awareness on the post-show side of things. I know people are becoming a lot more aware of it and a lot more people are talking about it now, but, like, for upcoming competitors, I don't think they realise, like, your cravings are so bad when you're on prep and after you, especially after the sort of... I would say the first show is the worst because you don't realise how... You you say to yourself, I'm going to keep the physique, I'm going to... I'm going to be very careful and then as soon as you step off that stage it's like a, a downward spiral <laughs> like oh, you just dive into all the food that you can yeah, yeah it's, it's posh yeah we have spoke about it in posh show I think it is massive um, and I'm kind of glad that especially this year more people are talking about it and being open because like I said for my my shoots I was excited I was probably more excited for them than I was yeah yeah because yeah. That's showing off. You get that's you then being able to show off your potential yeah, with just one other guy. Yeah, yeah. Whereas on the show, it's one of them. It's if you're on stage and and you're good, then you'll get you you'll get your, your you pictures. But yeah, yeah. It's, you're not guaranteed that many pictures. So I was happy, but like I said, I just could not eat. I think 
as soon as I stepped off stage, uh, with it being April, I'd had mini eggs, donuts, um, sweets, chocolates, Krispy Kreme, like the lot, and that was just walking to my car. And if anyone's done the Miami Pro Show, they'll know the walk is about a two-minute walk from the actual stage to the car park. It's not it's not very long at all, and I managed to eat about two thousand um, calories just in that nice. two minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then I went straight to Mackey's and got two large meals to the point when I got back to the hotel, I fell asleep on my bed with all my food around me. Um, <laughs> I was just that full. Um, it, it was awful, but yeah, yeah then comes to post show and everyone thinks they'll get back into the gym. And but you be just able to... don't. It's, almost like, it's no. almost like you click that off switch. That you've, oh. Because you've no longer got that stage, it's like you click an off switch and you're like, screw it, I'm just going to eat. And there's there's also no off switch because when you're in prep, you no longer have the the natural instinct or the natural like the internal alarms and all that stuff that say that you're hungry and that you say that when you say that you're full, you there is no limit, there is no fullness because you have no idea what it is to feel full until you're literally at the point that you look pregnant. <laughs> because you can't like you literally you're you genuinely you, you sort of get yourself to the point that you're almost throwing up from eating so much food oh yeah well yeah, i definitely went to that point i was sat in my hotel room still eating and um, in my head i was like i've had a lot here but because i you starve yourself don't for 12 weeks yeah, essentially so oh well when your prep is and i was just like well i've not had this amount of food for this long so i'm eating it i'm I just yeah, couldn't exactly. regu- I couldn't regulate or get the emotional understanding of like I'm full, yeah. um, and I, it just ended up me literally passing out into sleep. So how long? So uh, this is like I'm I'm gonna try and dive into this a little bit because this is quite interesting for me because I've actually been listening to a lot of podcasts on this, and I'm gonna try each person I get on from the fitness industry. I'm gonna try and actually dive into this a little. So from your perspective, right? When when did you stop the sort of binge eating? Like, did it last quite a long time, or did it only last like a sort of few days, and then it was a matter of you just didn't do have healthy food choices and you just went for whatever you wanted, or did the sort of binging last quite a while? Um, I'd, I'd have to guess at about six months. Right. Um... So, be for you, right? Would you say the binging side of things is? like eventually develops into a comfort thing because you feel like you're almost feeling guilty that you've ate what you've already ate but you're trying to make yourself feel better by eating the foods anyway or is it just because you simply didn't have those foods for such a long time that you feel like you deserve it even though you're going to have that guilt afterwards like it that started, thing, yeah it, it starts off well I've not had this food and because uh, I would plan on doing comps afterwards and I just got into the gym and because I think um, body power was like two weeks later or whatever and I was up for it and there's another one that I was going to do I think it might have been uh, NFM and I just couldn't do the cardio because I was going home and I was eating and in my mind I was thinking oh well I've not had this and I quite like it I'm enjoying it or I was trying to swap carbs so I was like oh well that's the same amount of figures and, but then I was eating it and then eating too much and it, it just weren't working and then after and then because I stopped going to the gym, I got to the point where I tried food prepping again to try and make myself feel better. But then we're snacking and thinking, yeah. well, I'm sticking to my diet, so a couple of snacks ain't going to hurt. But then obviously what what sort of common thing is 
no one actually realises that the snacking is worse, worse than eating unhealthy meals. So I was yeah. like, well, I'm not changing. Why am I meal prepping? I'm doing everything I do. My calories are the same and, and sorted. But then I was like, do I one or two chocolate bars don't help? And then I sat down after about six months and analysed what I was eating. I was like, because I do 15-hour shifts with the job I do, um, and I could have in a snack in the morning, and by the time you get to like night time, you feel like it's a new day, but in reality, it's not. So you may yeah. have like, like two chocolate bars, but I've had about five or six. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that's I mean that that's what my coach always said to me. Like my coach said to me after my first show, because after my first show, that was when I really rebounded, and it was a matter of like in the first week, I just ate whatever I could get my hands on. And after that, I then grazed. And that was the one thing that my coach said to me after my second and my third show. If you want to have a blowout, have a blowout, but just don't graze. So if you want to have a big meal, like so long as you stick to meals one, two, three, four, five. If you then at meal six, you want to have a whole tub of ice cream, have the whole tub of ice cream. Just don't spend that whole day grazing. Just yeah, stick yeah. to your meals, stick to your routine, but don't graze because that's where the calories start to add up because you think, oh, just a handful of chocolate, the chocolate buttons or just a handful of this. Just as like you're saying, it's amazing how quickly those little things, cal- you think it's just a snack, but before you know it, you've had five or six and you've had about a thousand calories, which like it's just yeah. come nowhere. And that's yeah, when you're not calculating it. Um, and then obviously because you're then sticking to your own meals because you think in your head right I'm sticking to my plan but then I'm also having all these things. you've just added a thousand calories on your day whereas if you've taken a couple of your meals out and had whatever snack you wanted or taken a meal out and then had a tub of ice cream then at least then your calories are still sticking to the same you're still having a treat but you're not grazing throughout the day um but yeah, it's, it seems to be like a massive, and the problem is, it's the mental struggle that people then go through with it, because you've gone from literally A to Z, you've gone from being at your leanest, you've worked hard, you've got yourself to stage, and then it's all, like, I don't know about you, but for me, I get embarrassed, and I then get annoyed with myself, because people see me in a certain way, or people, like, especially after the first show, people saw me in a certain way for being hashtag fit, and all this stuff, and then a week later, I look like I've just rolled out the pub, <laughs> because yeah, yeah, I do, know, yeah. do you know what I mean, like, you've worked so hard, people are looking at you for that reason, and then you've literally let it all go to pot, so that then becomes like a massive, like, you do, you feel guilty, you feel annoyed at yourself, you feel ashamed at yourself, but you still don't stop eating. Yeah, and then the comments come in as well, like, oh, well, how you can't hold it, like, he's holding it, and you start looking at other people thinking, well, yeah, he's in good condition for a while, why have I not held it for that long? And then yeah, you start to doubt yourself, but then you don't analyse why you're not holding it and why they're holding it. And I was like, even my training when I was pigging out, because obviously I took that dive and I just I just lost interest in the whole sport, yeah. of course, and giving it up. Um yeah. And so my training, I weren't doing cardio and I weren't my intensive training weren't even um, high either. So I might as well have just not been going to the gym um, on yeah. some days. Yeah. So see, see when you had that downward dip, what, what um, would you say, because you said you were kind of down there for about six months, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> Do you like what? Why was it so long? Gallop? Well, yeah, was it like? Well, was it? Um, I know you had your injury. 
How was that within the six months or was that after? Well, I actually stepped on stage while my ACL was still snapped. Um, right, okay. I did, did my ACL about six months before, okay. um, but because I played rugby league as well during when I'm not uh, bodybuilding, so I did it there. And we didn't know it before he snapped, um, but I just couldn't. Couldn't play, but I could still able. I could still able to walk it, go on me and that. And I could still train, so I just did the comp. Um, and my operation worked till October. Um, so straight after, there was. I knew it was gone, but I think I started using it as an excuse. But yeah. um, I weren't like because I, I do suffer from mental health anyway. I'm quite off, I'm quite up with it now. Um, yeah. But at the time, I wasn't. Um, so I think I was trying to find excuses, and because I weren't strong-minded, I needed. Yeah. I needed something to pin it to you know to blame so then if someone asked me why I'd be like oh it's this it's that then I instead of turning around going well I just took a dive like I don't know how to I don't know how to rebound um I've put all this weight on do you know I can't regulate how I feel because yeah I'm, because of how lean I've been sort of thing I just looked yeah. for excuses and that um which is which I know is quite common I've seen people do it now I mean I spoke to a mate yesterday he competed about a month ago went on holiday and even he said on holiday, he just picked out and picked out and picked out. And he said, now he's um, he's on the verge of like, he said he's on the verge of depression. He, he, because it he's just, uh, yeah, he's a mind game, massive, massive, massive mind has game. A massive impact because it is, it's like, it's like you say, like, and I think also because, well, there's two sides to it, which I think play massive factors is one, you've, when your body is that lean, it's so much more sensitive to all the crap that you're putting in. So your body literally transforms so fast. If you're not training, compensate for the calories, your body is gonna go, well, yeah, exactly as I said, it's gonna go from beach body to pub body within the space of a few days if you're eating yeah, all that food. And it just then, soaks oh, up everything, doesn't it? Because you don't it have does. it. Of course it does. And then on the other side to that, um, because all the foods that we're going for, which we weren't allowed to have, are full of sugars, full of salt, full of sodium, full of all the things that we've not been allowed, like all the rubbish foods and all the processed foods, because we're then diving into that, they do say you are what you eat. And I mean, and I've got a friend who's um, does all the science base behind like the gut health and all this stuff. And it's actually proven that the food that goes into your gut has a massive impact because uh, on how you feel because your serotonin levels and all that stuff are actually come from the gut. It's like 80% of it comes from the gut and only 20% of it comes from the brain. And that's what sends the signals to your brain. So if you're putting loads of rubbish in your, in your stomach, especially when it's so empty and being so used to having certain foods, of course, it's going to automatically then have a massive negative impact on the mental side, like the mental side, because you're so used to having clean, whole foods to then literally, and I mean, we throw back the processed foods by the gallon after show. When you've, if you've, if you have a postal rebound, it's not like you're having a chocolate bar here or like a packet of crisps there you're literally going through the box you're going oh yeah <laughs> like you're you're putting crap loads you ever like, see them five piece sweets that you can buy in the plastic tools from the shop yes you buy them individually i bought a full box that's just, what i'm saying i was just eating i was just eating the box that, that and in, in my in my mind i was like oh it's all right it's one or two and within about yeah. a week i'd like 500 
blue, you know, the blue and pink cola bottles. About yeah, 500 that, of them. <laughs> and, I mean, and I mean, like, four, five, six weeks out from show, the idea of doing that, it does, like, look like you're, it's because you're so hungry and you you don't have that cap on your full, your full scale because your body doesn't know when you're full anymore. You're so, like, technically you're in, well, not starvation mode, but you're, you're so hungry. And because you're used to having such little food, when, you're, when your body sees all this food and you're able to have it, it's like the survival instinct kicks in and you don't stop because you don't know, like, your body, naturally, your body's like, eat what you can eat because... Yeah, because you've not had that. Yeah, it's, um, it's... yeah, exactly. And it's yeah, it's it's um like the mental side to it is just people. I don't think people realise. I mean, bodybuilding is such a mind game sport. Unless you train the brain as well as the body, it is a mind field. Absolutely. I've always said when people ask me about my comp, and I get people asking me how often do we more, and I say, yeah, well, and do they enjoy? It? I said it's the best, but the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Uh, the best because just you get it's the only sport and all where you're in full control and whatever you put in you'll get out like hundred times better. Um, but in terms of the worst, it just sent me to well in a way it sent it did send me to dark dark places. But and I come out so I kind of know what I can now regulate my body and what I can put my body through. Yeah. You know before it becomes too much. But to, to actually envision myself in them places that I was again. It's probably the worst place I've ever yeah, been in my life. What, that's what like I've said to a few people is that it's very much a make or break sport because you have to have been through the extremes already to understand what it feels like to get to the lows when you're in prep and when you hit post show. That it train like in a way, it's almost like that's the way it trains your brain and you're either going to come out of it so much stronger that you can cope with it or you're going to sat, you're going to pack it in and never compete again because and I think the people who don't compete again or they end up pulling out haven't already been through tough enough sort of mental challenges in the past that they're, they, they just don't have the mindset for it. I mean I don't think anybody like from what I'm aware of, and from the people that I've spoken to, so many bodybuilders have gone through this sort of mental battle within themselves, and they've either come out stronger or they've packed it in. Yeah, well, just look how big the sport is these days. Like, you go on Instagram and well, all over social media, and there's millions and millions. Look how many shows are out now, yeah, uh, and how many people are entering each category each show. But then it's how many of them. Do you see returning? Exactly. Um, and like, because I've, I've obviously I've took it just over a year out, um, and I've been at points where I thought, you know what, I sack it off and I will stick to playing rugby. I'll get a couple of years of rugby under me before I go back to it, um, and then I've gone, oh well, I'll go back to it, you know stuff like that. So it'd be amazing to see how many people actually quit. It. Um, yeah. I know, I know, a lad who who did one and, and quit and said he'll never ever do him again in his life. He said it's the worst yeah. thing he's ever done. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying, like, I think you've got to have already sort of been through some mental struggles to really be able to cope with that, because I always say that, exactly kind of the same as you, that it was to start with one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, but the physical side of things didn't even cut, didn't even touch on the mental struggle that I had through to compete. And it, but in a way... It's from the on the flip side to that. It's given me so much discipline, so much control, 
that I didn't have in the past. Like, I now, exactly as you said a minute ago, I now know what my body can cope with. I now know how much food my body actually needs. So if somebody, like, I can go out and have a cookie dough, but I don't have to eat the whole thing. Like, I'm aware of that now that because... One thing that I said this in the last podcast with Lauren, with Laura, sorry, that um, my coach has always trained has trained me that you have what you want, not what you can have, and that changed everything for me. That as soon as she said that, I was like, that makes so much sense. Okay, I could I could technically have the whole cookie dough, but I only want how much I'm going to have until I don't want to be feeling sick after it. That just kind of defeats the whole purpose. Um, but it took me a long time to get to that, a long, long time to, for me to get to that. Um, I mean, I've done three shows now, um, and each show has kind of been a learning curve. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to kind of dive in a little bit. So you said that you had mental health struggles before. Was this, a, was it just before you competed, or was it quite a while before? Uh, quite a while, so when I was about 17, 18, um, I watched my granddad pass away. Because I don't really speak to my dad after. To him, he's just like a sperm donor to me. Right. Um, so my granddad was that father figure. I stepped on that, yeah. but it's never the same, is it? Um, so my granddad was a father figure, and then um, he ended up dying of an illness. He had cancer, terminal cancer, but he ended up dying oh, of an illness fun. because he couldn't fight it. But I was there for him. He just, like, he just knocked me. I didn't understand it. I blamed myself a lot at the time. It was only until about two years ago where I actually stopped blaming myself for it. Um, yeah. But when I was at uni at 20, um, I used going out, getting drunk all the time just to ease it, try to kill myself. And luckily I had a good couple of pals that I can be thankful to this day that I'm still here because they stopped it. Um, and that's kind of when alarm bells went ringing for me and everyone kind of understood the position I was in because I held it in. So I was always... For so long, I was, yeah. Yeah, I was always known as the class clown um, from my whole entire life, like the jokey guy who... And everyone just thought, like, I was gone to uni, gone to my head, and I was just getting drunk all the time, because then at uni, I'd start fighting on nights out and that. Right. Um, and everyone just thought, oh, I was getting a bit too big for my boots and stuff. Um, and so, until all that happened, and then it kind of all, all puzzled in. together, yeah, and yeah. some kid and stuff. And then, so I've done the usual route of been on the tablets, been to councils and stuff, but although it helps, um, I found just, obviously, when I finally had, started speaking about it and the more I spoke about it obviously sometimes I still feel like it's like when you're at work and they ask you do a medical questionnaire and it, mental health comes up and on some I'm like no and some I'm like yeah so there's yeah. still that fear then of like taking it but then like well it's it's a natural bodily illness like of course people, it is like it, it, I always people. say that once you've had a mental I always say that once you've had a mental illness you it's a bit like a cold sometimes it's always going to crop back up eventually because it's if you've been to that depth it's always going to be in the back of your mind especially like because i can relate with you with attempting to take your life once if you've hit that low it's very difficult when things maybe get a bit more difficult or maybe you're having a down day, especially when we, when you do the sport like what we do and you do have such mental struggles. Of course, you're going to go back to that. Like you, it's an automatic. Um, it's like the thought process. Like I always say you've got a negative outgoing and you've got a positive one. So my positive is the gym and helping people. That makes me happy. 
But the negative is I always opt to, um, well, yeah, like, what what's the fastest way out of this? Because yeah. I feel like I can't cope. Now, I don't, I'm, I'm the same as you. I, don't, I'm, I was the worst for talking to people um, about this. I was I kind of lashed out, kind of similar to you. Um, and, yeah, so when... So you're saying that you have. So has it been speaking to people that you've that's kind of helped you cope? It's just been. I think obviously I've done more research and it, it, over the last couple of years, a lot more people have obviously shared the stories as well. So it's it's getting my story out there. Although I know I, I can personally I can still do a bit more to get it out, but um, obviously that's something that I gradually do over the time. The more content yeah. I do I do get about it, um, but knowing that other people. Sharing theirs um, is is good. Like obviously, I mentioned I played rugby league recently. Um, the NRL in Australian Super League over here, they're watching com- campaigns for obviously um, depression within the sport and stuff. And up until a couple of years ago, I was always like scared to say because the team I play for, we're known as a tough team. Like we're not might not be like we're win the national league and stuff, but we might lose some games, but. Every time someone comes to us, you know it's not an easy game because we're physically we're, we're like tough. We're putting our tackles. So yeah. in in my mind, to be physically tough, you've got to be mentally tough. Yeah. Um, so I was like, speak. I thought to myself, I can't speak to other lads about this because not that they don't understand it. They've probably not been through it. Don't yeah. probably don't understand it, but I'd probably see it as weak. And I just thought, yeah. well, I don't want to be seen as weak. Yeah. Um, okay. But. Now, obviously, it's coming to light and you're seeing all these high-paid professional players and you feel a bit more open because you, you feel like you've got a defence if someone said something, do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. that back. It's like, so if someone said something to me, but like, hold on, such and such a person, he's professional, blah, 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 and he's suffering, do you know what I mean? Is that... Yeah. Is that um, if you're struggling to defend yourself, you're bringing someone in, do you know, to, who's got a, a stronger, like fan base and stuff to try and defend you for you yeah exactly so how so is that how you cope now so i take it you like you said that you still something you still sometimes have bad days or is it just bad moments or uh yeah sometimes i have bad days like from from bodybuilding i've, I've taken my life has to be routine um otherwise i just get bad anxiety so obviously because i do 15 to 24 hour shifts a couple of days a week i do have Days I have like I have more days off than I do days in just because of the hours I do. Um, and if I have nothing planned and I wake up one morning and I've got nothing on, I and I've, I'm sat there all day. I, that's when I start thinking about stuff and I start thinking about money or you know and just random yeah. stuff or like and then I start doubting myself and my job and I'm not even in work. Um, and then I can wake up the next day because I've got something planned and I'm in the gym. It's totally different. Yeah. Yeah, I, like honestly, we are so similar. It's not even funny because I'm exactly the same. <laughs> if I've not got my like, that's why I was like I said to my coach that I like, even in off season, I need to, I need a routine, I need a plan, I need you to tell me. Um, like I like I, I'm still doing my own research and I'm still doing my own um sort of seminars and all that stuff so I can learn like behind like behind nutrition, behind fitness, behind training properly and all that stuff so that I have the knowledge. It's not a matter of I want my coach to tell me what to do so I don't have to think about it. It's more, it's so that I have a regimented plan 
so that I know what I'm doing from the moment I get up to the moment I go to bed, even if I'm in off season, what I'm eating, when I'm to eat it, etc. Because as soon as I go out of routine, that's when I seem to go off the rails. And that's what I kind of noticed with my first show because she sort of gave me free reign for my first two weeks. And because I didn't ha- because I didn't have a plan, I was like, oh, well, I'll eat what I want. And um, yeah, and I noticed that it had more of a mental impact on me rather than my physical. And uh, yeah, I'm very much the same as you. Like I need a routine. The days that I don't have a routine, that's when yeah, you you end up thinking too much. Like you're, and the best of it is you're overthinking things. You're probably already sorting. Um, but you then start to panic. Um, yeah. So on the days that you don't have a routine, how do you cope with it? Um, a lot of time I go to my nans <laughs> oh. uh, and just and just have a chat with her. But I just so, I won't lie. Some days I don't get over it. I just I just think 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 until the day goes. And I try and put a bit of films and try and take my mind off it, and I will just go to bed and hope that um, I get up the next day feeling all right. Um, I've got a supportive family. Um, like, I mean, I say my mum's like my best mate. She she knows everything. Um, and I can always phone her because I don't live at home anymore so I always yeah. phone her and, and get advice from her and just even chat to her but um, if I know if I, if I know a day's coming up where I don't have anything planned I try and just get something in my head so even if I tell myself a couple of days before I'm going to go to my nan's on that day at least when I get up I know I'm, I'm getting up and going to my nan's whereas some people can just get up and think oh well, I'll see my nan today well I yeah. can't do that I can't get up and I have to get up with something in mind that I have to get up for. Um, so it's usually something where I have to set my alarm. If I'm allowed to sleep in, I've either got nothing to do or it's on in the afternoon and that's when I can start to start to overthink. Um, yeah. I've even started, used to food prep five days in a row. I've started like doing it so that um, I do it a couple of days and then the next time I need to do it is a day I've got nothing planned. So I get up and I know I've got to prep. Yeah, that's um, or I'll have a rest day in the day where I'm in work um, instead of going before and then know that I've got to do um, a big full session and on that day or I might leave the legs for a day off where I've got nothing on so that yeah. I'm out of the house longer um, or I might just send aside to take my dog somewhere that's not walkable and I have to, I have to drive there um, just stuff like that and at the minute um, I'm trying a bit of a career change so pick that up and it might be even time sitting down just revising about this new job that I want to do or going out, you know, getting work and stuff like that. Um, I used to do agency work in schools um, just on my days off just because it was nine till three basic hours and it was something for me to get up and do. I'm not sat in the house all day. Yeah. So that's something that, like, I think is really important for people to know because I think a lot of people, like, I've got a lot of... um, a few clients that are a few people that I speak to that they always say to me that when it comes to the weekend they almost feel like I, like I listen to a podcast at the moment and I say this to people all the time that um is it I think it was Benjamin Franklin that said um the majority of people die at 25 but then get buried at 75 because they get themselves into a rut that we're fortunate enough that, I don't know about you, but because we have the gym, 
we have something that we don't just come home and then sit on the sofa. Like we go to the gym, especially when we're in prep, we're doing cardio, we're training, we've got focus, we've, we've found something that kind of gives us a drive to get up and do things. But a lot of people kind of get themselves into a rut where they get up, they go to work, they come home, they sit on the sofa and then the same at the weekends. They might maybe make a couple of hours plans of going to the shops or going here or going there, but the majority of them just kind of waste, they're wasting away all these hours in the week and they're not doing anything with it. And I can totally then see why. I mean, just as you were saying, the days that we have off or the rest days that we have, we almost feel like we don't know what to do with ourselves <laughs> because yeah, we don't, because we don't been, have the gym. <laughs> yeah, we just, and it's, a few of us have said it in group chat, aren't you? Like, what's a rest day like? When, when you're yeah, sat there exactly. and you're like, what, what do you do? And what do, what do what, normal people do? And yeah. the sad thing is, normal people, or the majority of them, don't do anything. And they're okay with this. And it's like, well, this is where the issue lies. And no wonder there's so many mental health issues. Because you're... you're you're kind of wasting your life. Like I'm not. I don't want to say they're wasting their life because that's a bad way of putting it. But they're not. They're not. Not getting the full the potential, potential, are they? Yeah, they're not getting the potential out of their life. They're literally spending all their hours doing a job that nine, most of them are probably hating, and then coming home and not doing anything with the rest of their spare time. They're spending it watching Netflix, or watching a film, or whatever. And like, I just don't get that side of things. Like, if we struggle with just a rest day. Imagine, no wonder so many other people have mental health issues when they don't do anything with their spare time. Oh, yeah. It's like, we, we find, obviously, sport our emotional outlet. And unfortunately for people, who don't, people don't like the gym, but I was listening to James Smith's podcast before, and he was talking about mental health, and he, he was talking about people picking sport. It's like, it shouldn't be like that. It's like, he played rugby because he was a big lad, and he didn't... Um, he didn't then go and swimming because he thought, oh, swimming's good, I want to have that body, or I'm going to do powerlifting, so I want to have that body. He was like, I had the body to play rugby, so, you know, so in other words, he, the sport picked him, not the other way around. Yeah. I just think people need to have a look at that, and there's not always a gym, there is swimming, exactly. it's, it's tennis, it's, it's badminton, so people like, just need to have a look at, not potentially the body shape, but they're interested in the likes and Absolutely. What they're able to, what they're able to do, and suit it to that sport instead of instead of trying to find something exactly. to suit them. Um, it's like it's like me and my me and my friend were talking about this the other day. It's like because my friends are now coming to terms with the fact that my thing is the gym. It's taken them a long time to come to terms with this, but that's just who I am. It's what I enjoy. I'm, it's never going to change, so there's no point in trying. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm, I'm in like, the same position. Yeah, but I'm like, go. I says, the only reason it bothers you so much is because you're not doing anything for yourself. If you had something that you were that passionate about, you wouldn't, like, I don't care what other people do because I'm happy with my life. Like, I'm happy with what I'm doing. So what other people do is literally of no interest to me. Like, I don't care if you want to go and play tennis. I don't care if you want to go swimming. I don't care. But if it makes you happy, go and do it. Like, and that's what I tell a lot of people. Like, it doesn't even have to be that. It could be that if you enjoy walking, well, every night, go for an hour's walk somewhere, but try somewhere different. Drive further away. Go travel different places. Organise holidays that you're going to see new things. Like, just don't be stuck in a rut that you're doing the same thing day in, day out from the age of 25 until you retire. <laughs> like, like, it just seems... Yeah, of course, yeah. Like, like some... when you put it in that perspective, you're literally spending 50 years of your life 
Like, you've literally planned out the next 50 years of your life, is basically what I'm saying. The next 50 years of your life is going to look exactly as it does now. Is that really what you want? <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like they go, oh, you spend all this money on on thing. Yeah, I don't go to the gym and enjoy myself. It's like, well, you go out every week and enjoy yourself. I go to the gym and enjoy myself. You spend £40 in one club, and how many clubs do you go to? And I spend, what, £40 a month? So, like, yeah, you might go out and enjoy yourself, but this is my enjoyment. I don't need, I don't need to go out. Uh, yeah. But doesn't mean that I'm going to live my life any less and stuff like that. So exactly. That's like what I enjoy doing. I don't know if you've had this battle. You probably have. Most of us have. But it's when it comes to going for... Me and Laura spoke about this as well. It's when it's going for meals. Or if you do go to a night out. Like, they... It seems to, like, it seems to me that people just cannot comp- comprehend that we do not need to eat the foods that they're eating. We do not need to drink to enjoy ourselves. Like, for I get, some Yeah, I get people, it all the time. Yeah, for I some get... reason, people take it so personally. It's like, well, we're not asking you to eat our food, so don't expect us. So why are you putting your stuff on Yeah, meat? exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it's the comment is, oh, well, you're in preps. I didn't think you'd want to come, or you, you're not into this sort of thing. It's like, well, when you come to the gym with me, I don't make you bring your pre-workout and your meal prep for afterwards, so don't expect me to not do that. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. So you come to the gym and do whatever you want in the gym, and I'm just there to help you and support you and give you advice. If you want to take the advice, that's up to you. But I can guarantee you, a week later, you'll be still asking me for the same advice. Exactly. But... Like, it, 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 like that's what me and Laura were saying. That um, I don't want to keep going over what me and Laura were saying because it's just going to end up being the same podcast. No, no. But, <laughs> but it was like people kind of miss miss the trick with us that we could be helping them so that if they only want to train three times a week they could do it to the best of their ability so they're actually getting something out of it rather than turning up for an hour, spending about half an hour of that on their phone or just standing around not really not sure what they're doing and then maybe getting a few sets out of something too light that there's not actually going to be doing anything to their body and then leave thinking that they've done a workout. It's like, well, no, if you're going to spend an hour in the gym, get the best out of it as you can. Yeah, there's that stigma around there, like, and I've I've changed gyms because the stigma just become then noticeable and I just got fed up with hearing it. He was always a bodybuilder, he loves himself, he's, he always poses, you know, he's he just, you know, and all, all, the, all the usual questions. And I was just oh, yeah. like, I've had enough, but then what they don't actually realise is, yeah, he might give off his personal thing, but actually he's insecure, he's got self-confidence issues, he's, he needs compliments to make him feel better. He goes to the gym because he feels fat when he doesn't and you just sit there judging you and you're just like, you don't even know me. Yep. That's it. So, would you find, um, like, because this is something that I'm going to ask everybody in the fitness industry, do you think it's something that's quite common in the fitness industry? Because I'm yet to come across somebody who's in bodybuilding who's not had a mental health issue. Like, um, it be an eating disorder or depression, anxiety... I think Maybe. it's I think it's very 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 more common than what people think. Like I was reading before, like just shot six thousand people died of suicide in twenty seventeen, um, and I was thinking like I tried looking at that what the what the number is in terms of bodybuilding related suicides, and I couldn't find anything. But what was what then I stumbled upon what was interesting is to be honest, a lot of bodybuilders don't really die of suicide; they'll die of steroid abuse or. Uh, you know different, different illnesses, but I, I reckon, and people might think I'm wrong, and but I reckon it's my theory that people 
take steroids or they do certain things or they get certain illnesses off the back of mental health because they try to do something to battle yeah. how they feel. So uh, there's ma- been massive celebrities like Rich Piana. He he was, look how much he taken. He, his body finally gave up on him. And did anyone ever ask him, how do you feel about all the way you look? Why do you take so much? Blah, blah, blah. I reckon it could be deep rooted the fact that he doesn't, he, obviously, he's got an image to portray. He's got one of the biggest protein companies in the world. Like, he's well known yeah. for being a, a big guy. And he said that's, he probably didn't even know it himself, but because he's used to it. But you have to remember, like, all these people, all these pros and stuff are coming off stage and, other pros are keeping shape all year, so they're like, well, they're a pro, I'm a pro, I've got to do that. And then they're looking at different ways or they're doing different things to try and try and keep, keep, the, keep yeah. the condition, which in turn is having more, is having more, a different effect on them what mental health does, which is damaging in, which damaging them and potentially killing them because yeah. of the cause, because the main cause is how they feel. Because they, they cannot live a normal life because, or, or they could, they could, but for them to then kind of not train, just just as what we were saying before, that for them not to train and for them not to do everything that they're doing would ultimately, if they were then seen with a belly or whatever, that it, in fact you just you know you you just know that you wouldn't because we know the struggles that they're probably going through that they're not they're not voicing because they've got to keep this image for everybody else because they've got this status so I, I i find it quite interesting that you've tried to research that because i think that would be quite an interesting number to look at to see just it, how many are what the what the um the number is for bodybuilders with mental health issues it's it, 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 it just stumbled across because i'm even going to admit it but then how many, how many of them actually know what they're doing to the body is a result of how they feel mentally? Yeah. Because I bet people just, you don't, but they probably can't put the finger on it. It's like, there's, I won't mention his name because I don't know him and I don't, and I can't like the guy, but yeah. just like IFBB Pro Men's Physique just had an hip, two hip operations and I've not seen a picture with him with his top off throughout his whole thing up until recently put on that, um, he's, te- he's like, he's in prep for Mr. Olympia. Uh, that's his first picture he's had with no top on and even he said that he struggled not being in the gym and stuff but then obviously everyone knows social media is only one percentage of your life people are trying to live their whole life yeah. based on someone's one percent um, and even he's saying he struggled not being in the gym for like three months and it just but I'm what I know like how he really felt it's alright he said he struggled but It'd be interesting to actually get his understanding of how he really felt not being able to go to the gym and watching his physique drift away, knowing that he's one of the best men's physiques in the world. Yeah, that would be that would be a really interesting conversation. Because yeah, I'd like that's why I'm trying to speak to people, especially in the fitness industry, and not I'd like as much as like there's loads of podcasts to talk about like physique and you know how it is to be a like a bodybuilder and all that stuff, but I feel the mental health side of things is a much more um, important thing to touch on because I don't think there's enough about it. You hear so many podcasts about, you know, how to build the muscles properly and how to train properly, how to eat properly and the science behind everything. But in my opinion, none of it matters if you don't have the mindset to go with it. 
Like I feel like everything is a triangle. You need to have the mindset, the body, and your gut all in sync. Because if you've got like if your mindset's not strong enough, okay, yeah, you might still train hard and you might still eat well, but in the long run, you're going to be in a constant battle with yourself. And like unfortunately, I think that it's kind of something that's going to happen anyway. But the more people are aware of it the more people are going to talk about it and they're not just going to jump into a downward spiral, especially for new upcoming competitors. Like, I, I don't think they realise, like, they obviously know they've got to train hard and they're going to have to eat hard. Well, maybe they don't realise just how hard they're going to have to train and, like, how strict they're going to have to be diet-wise. But I don't think they're maybe preparing themselves for how much of a mental struggle it's going to be. And the more like as you say like it would be quite interesting to hear how he's coped with that because yeah it's it's with your if you our 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 life is our physique the minute an injury happens the whole world falls apart because you're like well when am I going to step on stage again when am I going to be able to train again when am we are so fixated on our bodies to the detail to the finest detail that's why when post show comes and we put on all this weight we have been looking at our bodies it's such a tight like it's such a perfect detail that we notice everything to someone else we probably still look great oh yeah <laughs> anyone else we probably still look great it's like um, in our group chat though it's only a couple of days ago putting my legs before my up and saying oh i need to regrow but then in some pictures i think you know what i've actually not lost that much and then other times i've sat down thinking yeah i've got like legs the same size as my arms here you know stuff like that um yeah. and how many times have i joked about that having a dad bod and doing dad bod competitions know, and yes. stuff like that um <laughs> so obviously it never, it never it never goes away ever goes away but so i'm kind of glad we're part of the um the workshop coming up with oh, mental health because that's I, 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 very interesting I, I've not heard of anyone else do one on mental health uh, on its yeah. on its own, and because he's uh, talk about post show, I'm right? Is he on the same day? Yeah, there's yeah, um, a few guys that are doing. In fact, I think I think a lot of well, yeah, everybody's they're kind of touching on mental health in every aspect when it comes to being a competitor, start, finish, during. And I um, think that's I think it's quite important for the people, obviously that unfortunately can't get tickets when it sells if, when it sells out. Yeah. Um, to actually get get some information about the event off someone else because it's going to be so detailed, I already know, yeah. and, and so important for them competitors. Even the first timers, because your first competition is always your idea because it just it's changing your whole life. Um, you've got to be 100% focused to it because no one, everyone goes and it's an experience. But how many times they stand on stage and go, "Yeah, what a winner you!" And that that. Yeah. That just going on for experience soon goes out the window as soon as you walk in and you get well, your Well, that's number. what we were saying to Emily. Yeah, of course we were, yeah, and I, and obviously, fair play to her. Um, she wanted to do it, but yeah. there is, it's fine while saying you're doing it for the experience, but we all know when it comes down to it, that's not what we're there for. <laughs> yeah, it's just no point messing with your own head for the sake of getting yeah. experience when, when obviously she wanted to do the um, NFM show. And I don't blame her being one of the ambassadors, but it's like we said to her, it's like that show's always going to be there. It's one of the fastest growing. Yep. Um, the experience that you're only going to get this year, you're going to better it next year anyway. So having that, missing that one show is, is going to benefit you more mentally for next year yep. anyway. 
And she can That's still right. be part of it. Obviously, we're all part of the team anyway, so she can still be there on the day. Oh, of course. And, I mean, that's what, um, like, I, I mean, I said it before. Like, I was wanting to, I was actually going to compete with NFM um, back in May. So it was the weekend after Body Power. And um, because Body Power was my my portal. And because it was only a week later, I was saying to my coach that, um, I did want to compete with NFM but I knew within myself and I spoke to Erin about this like I know what I'm like if I had done well at that show I would have competed again I would have gone for the finals like there's no doubt about it I know I would have and my body had already been through a year's prep like I'd been, I'd been prepping from February last year till May this year apart from 12 weeks off. Now, that's a long time for my body to be in prep. Like, it's a big prep, but big, you know, big that's, prep. That's a long time for your body to be going through that. And it was no wonder by the time it came to the... Like, it came to the end of the last show. And honestly, that was the toughest prep, not because of the training, not because of the diet, but because I got to the point where I didn't enjoy it. And it was exactly kind of what you said, like for different reasons but I got to that end of the prep and I was like I was so sick of prepping I was so sick of competing because and I was so sick of training I was sick of the regiment like being structured because it no it was no longer a pleasure it was a restriction and but obviously as the like as I got leaner and all that stuff and I was getting closer to stage I thought oh well what's one more show I've I've prepped for this long what's one more show because NFM was the, the federation I wanted to go with next but me and Erin had the massive chat after Body Power and she says, I'm going to give you a couple of days to think about it. I'm going to give you a day to think about it. And I was thinking about it all the way up to Body Power and I was like, no, I can't put my body through it any longer. Like, I would love to do it, but I know within myself, if I did well, I would have been taking a month off and I would have been straight back into it again. And that would be me if me have done prep for nearly two years. That would just be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely too much. That's kind of why. Um, I only did the one show last year because I didn't want to then because if I'm right it was a derby show um, after my comp um, well, one of the first that Shiki got close to the centre of the country as he could um, I just I was close to doing it and getting back into his coach and going out there's a couple more shows there but I just thought it'd be like what Emma was thinking of like am I going on for like my full potential I'm just going for the experience but then I thought yeah. to myself my, my, I'm, I'm competitive in nature. Uh, my, my personality is competitive, so I know when I got on that stage, um, the experience would go out the window. It would have been a yeah. case of if I don't if I don't place, then I'll be gutted, um, yeah. and I'll be going away thinking, well, all those experiences I should have done this and I could have done that, and I shouldn't have had that one diet drink because I held, mainly yeah. held sodium, and and I just thought it's not worth it. And that's why I took some time out, and then yeah. I went back to my coach, and then. Obviously, I had to get rid of him again, so I'm coaching myself. Um, but it's kind of good. I can get my own experience. But I just said to my coach, and I said, obviously, I can't train because my knee. I said, I don't want to waste my time and waste your time. You've got my checking that changed in a couple of weeks. It's just pointless. Yeah. So, I've got to be... I, live in a, I like to live in a life that's real. Um, yeah. And, obviously, by trying to... I was getting, I was getting scared to check in because I was that. I weren't, I weren't being real to myself. I was trying to live a life knowing that I couldn't do it at the time because I physically couldn't. I just yeah. I could, I was struggling to walk on crutches, yet I, I was battling with my head, thinking, well, should I go and train legs or not? Yeah. Because I know I had to check in the week later. That's good, it just that's good that you were good. aware of it as well, though. 
Uh, luckily, that fell after the six months I had off. So I kind of, in that six months, I gave my time to realise, and it took me a while to actually understand and realise that I needed to be routine and I needed to like, be real and be truthful to myself. Um, but yeah, I got there in the end. It's like now, like, I'm in a mini prep for my holiday. And I'm being truthful to myself, obviously. I know that I'm not going to get in the shape I could. I did for my comp, and I don't want to get in that shape because it's a holiday. Yeah. Um, I want to get lean. What I also know where is in my prep, I was cutting two, three pounds a week on air. I'm happy that I'm still cutting one, one and a half yeah. a week because that's 12 pounds, 12 to 20 pounds that I could potentially lose, which for me is to coach myself. I think that's good. And I'll go on holiday, I'll go on holiday with a shape that I'm accountable for and I'm happy with and I know that I'm not going to rebound too, effect- too massively because I've restricted myself so much. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that is, it's, I mean, I'm the same as you, we're kind of, I'm in a mini prep as well because I want to do um, a couple of photo shoots around August time with my coach and um, obviously we've got this, like, the event as well. Yeah. And um, like, still want to look sort of like semi. Yeah, I've said that. I've <laughs> said that. You want to still keep decent shape, don't you? Yeah, of course, you don't want me going up there with all the ice cream and all that stuff. You want to look semi like you're yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm not feeling. Aye, so I mean, like, I'm glad that I'm back into a mini prep, but the good thing about it being meant is exactly as you were saying, because I've taken the time to be a bit more mindful of everything, like. I'm still going to enjoy tight, like, I love going on, I like, there's a cafe near me on a Sunday that I go every Sunday because I love it, I love the people there, I love the coffee, I love the food. I've seen that Instagram looks nicer. Oh my God, it's amazing, (laughs) everybody sees it on my Instagram, I'm I'm there every week, I love it. Um, And, like, I know the owner and stuff as well, so, like, to me, like, because I know the owner and it's a small cafe and stuff, I prefer going there once a week, putting my money into a company that, into somebody that I support and, you know, something that I enjoy. And I go and, like, there's, like, I know the people that work there, a couple of them are competitors as well, so I get a good chat when I'm in. It makes me feel good. It's foods that I enjoy, but I don't feel guilty because I, I it's part of my plan. Like, I have, a, a, like I have two um, off-plan off meals a week. And I always include my grams because it makes me feel good. And that's yeah, yeah. I'll be happy a couple of kilos down, wee bit tighter, wee bit leaner, comf- like comfortable in my body, but I'm not expecting to be stage lean. That's just stupid. <laughs> like Yeah, it's exactly. It's like right. today I'm on fake away, but during prep and I've like the fake away and cut it out, but I'm gonna have some Krispy Kremes with it and I'm not gonna feel guilty. Like no. last night. Last night I saved my carbs for an hand cooked and then I went to my mates and had dominoes because he invited us round and I thought to myself, I'm not gonna feel guilty because I know what I'm capable of and I'm not going on holiday to like be three percent fat. I'm going on. I'll be happy with eight and nine or whatever, you know, like look, looking my abs still showing still a bit lean. Just in our average shape, that's what I'm kind of aiming for. So the fact that I'm having all these cheat meals and stuff, it's it's not going to my head because in, in I'm being in the real world, I'm like, well, I'm not in prep to go on stage, so if I've got own a bit of water or if I'm owning a bit of fat, then no one's judging me. I'm going on holiday, and I'm only doing it because I want to look all right on holiday. And obviously, with, with the couple of events that we've got coming up as a team, like you want to kind of look at least in decent shape. Um, so I'm just being accountable for myself, and I'm enjoying it. But obviously, of course, when I prep again, I'll get a coach because 
you want to get the best, but I'm just enjoying coaching myself and being able to have these meals without the guilt, knowing that, well, if I still drop a pound next week, then I'm happy. Yeah, and see, I think that's amazing because I think, you know, especially for any competitors listening, I think that's, like, a very important, like, this is what I mean, that you'll eventually get to the other side of the mental battles and you'll come out of it with knowledge of that there's nothing wrong with enjoying treats and enjoying time with friends and family and all this stuff but obviously when you're in prep it's different you've got to be structured you've got to sacrifice these things it's fine but it's only like what 16 weeks of your life if you're going to do a long prep I mean it's not if you're going the whole year without that and then when you go into off season it's learning that you don't have to eat all the food at once (laughs) like the food is still going to be there (laughs) people get scared of food as well like that's it. Essentially, food is fuel. You need food. So people are scared that on a Sunday night they're having a cheat meal and they're going to wake up for the first thing and check in in the morning and it's automatically put pounds on them. But if they're dieting all week, the reality is that cheat meals do nothing but dry them out a bit more because the, the body's exactly. just soaked, soaked it up because it's not had it. And then it gives you energy then for your gym sessions the next morning, which makes you push hard. So the, in reality, within a, a, a day or two, you've already lost it. Uh, people people just scared to eat like they're eating like one sweet and thinking oh yeah I've, I've undone everything I've done for the week no what you've done is you give you've you've challenged you've fed yourself you've given yeah, yourself a refeed and you refeed for me my refeed was to refeed my mentality not my actual body um, absolutely it was, it was to know that I could still go through life and still enjoy certain foods on a weekend and still and still cut um Whereas some people, I know people who don't have refeeds and I put it out to them because it'd be tough. Um, yep. It'd be interesting to see how challenging it is for them. But by me, what my refeed mainly is to keeps me mentally strong and motivated, to be honest. Um, yep. But yeah, like I said, people are just scared of food these days. And yeah. they, think by, they think by eating, they're going to get fat. But it's, it's, everyone it's goes like, off. Yeah. Just tr- just teach yourself a little bit. Like if it makes you that afraid, do a bit of research. Like just do a bit of research of what what should you be eating. Like what how much how many calories does your body cope with? How many calories should you be eating? Go go and figure out all these things. Go and ask the right people. And s- instead of letting yourself have the fear factor, just learn. Listen to your body as well. Your body will tell your body tells you more than anything. If you eat oh, that beefy okay. meal and you start to feel full. Your body, your body's telling you that's it, so you can handle. And people just, people then, because <laughs> that goes two ways, doesn't it? They're scared to eat or they're scared to leave the food. Yeah. And the, p- people struggle to get the middle ground, thinking, well, I'm actually full, so I'll leave it. And that's when everything just goes wrong. Yeah. You've got to regulate themselves. Yeah. Um, but that, that's something obviously you learn off over time as, as a bodybuilder. Yeah. Out of, coming out of prep is it's something you learn, but. People just need to stop being scared at the end of the day. It's, it's mad. I see it some, of the comments, some of the comments I've seen, it's mad. It's it's like, oh, that makes you fat. Mackie's makes you fat. KC makes you fat. Because you know, when you eat for a cheat meal, you eat, to, eat Domino's, it makes you fat. It's like, nah, eating Mackie's every day, three meals a day makes you fat, yeah. But eating five days a week healthy and then going to Mackie's for... It's not going to make uh, you fat. For, it's not going to make you fat. If anything, it's going to help you. Uh, um, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so. that's it. No, that's it. So, if you were to give people one bit of advice on how to cope 
because would you say you were more anxiety or depression? Um, now anxiety. Anxi- now. Now well, anxiety. Yeah. Is that um, is that with the competing? Um, with the competing, well, just just like just sport in general, like the team we've been playing for. If I miss a week of training, I get anxiety going in case someone's going to say something. And then I know even when in prep, my anxiety comes like when I'm six week in. And I'm thinking, why am I not stage ready yet? You know, because everyone's like, I've been yeah. dying six weeks. Why? And so yeah. that's the anxiety side. But um, at the, after prep, it was more depression. Going into it now, uh, I think it's more anxiety of do not you think, wanting to do, do you well. Do think your post-show next time round will be different? Yeah, because I've, I've, I know what I'm expecting. Like Because of the first show, even when my check-ins for my first show, I expected food to go down. But when it happened, I was shocked. I was like, what? Oh, I've been smashing it here. Why has my food gone down? And, um, whereas now I know what I'm expecting. I know, obviously, your carbs go down, your cardio goes up, and all kind of what stage yeah. it goes to. Um, and I know post show, obviously, what to do. And because I've got myself yeah. into a routine now, um, I know as soon as it post show, if you have that night off and go back into my routine, it's going to help me mentally because I'll be yeah. sticking into I, I, My life's going to be going. Like it is, the only thing that's changing is the amount of food I'm eating. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Okay, so if you were going to give people advice just now on how to cope with anxiety, for one, if you were to give people, like, if you were to have that little chat with yourself, like, what would make you cope the most? What would be the bit of advice you would give to anybody else, especially competitors? Uh, it'd just be don't panic. Like, um, are you prepping an example? If you are into it, in you feel like you're not cutting, don't panic. You're like, listen to your coach. And there, these preps are 12 weeks for a reason. Start looking at the bigger picture and looking at how much you've lost and how much you'll lose in the 12 week. And then you can start analysing your body. Don't analyse it off one bad day um, yeah. and let it get to your head. Because, like I said, 12 weeks, 16 week, whatever you do, it's that long for a reason because it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. It takes 12 weeks to lose it and two hours to put it back on. Exactly. It's, it's just, it's exactly. just, a re- it's just a reality. But that's life. That's life for everyone. So don't feel like you're any different or that you're any worse than anyone else. Just yeah. go with your own flow. Focus on your own self. Do what I did and unfollow people on Instagram that are competing that you think look better. Because at the end of the day, everyone's different. Just compare yourself to yourself and get the best out of you. Um, just and obviously you'll go far. Don't but. start comparing yourself to people. Yeah, because I think as well, like I always say, me and my coach have had the same conversation every single time I've prepped. That, well, actually, it was the second and the third time that my body is so stubborn, so stubborn. So I do 16 week prep every single time because it takes me about 10 weeks for my body to actually respond. And then it's in the last six weeks that my body literally goes, like, it just sucks it all in. And it's always within my last six weeks that I start to really see a change and I start to see abs and my body really starts to get lean. But it takes me about 10 weeks for my body to actually start to shift. Um, But that's just because my body's stubborn. And I know this, my coach knows this, so we know that's how my body responds. So the last two times of prep, we've not been panicking it's six weeks out because we know within the last six weeks that's when my body's going to be like ah okay this is what i'm supposed to do um, yeah of course if you get yourself a good coach you, like my i was always moaning about my legs and my coach was like they'll come in like they'll come and said even if they don't it's not like they're not lean they just 
obviously they, they weren't big enough to get the the the, the, the no the lines and the cuttiness that I wanted. Yeah. It, that was just the reality of it. And yeah, he, he, my coach was he was fair and he he's he's true. He, he, he tells the truth and that's what you want in a coach. You don't want yes. no like you don't want no bullshit or anything. You want it to the point. And he was like, they'll come in. But he said, to be honest, obviously a lot of athletes they don't come in on the first time just because the legs are stubborn. Yeah, that's it. That's it, and I mean, yeah. So I, I completely agree with you. Just don't panic if you've got anxiety with prep and you think that you're not ready. Just trust the process, trust your coach. Because if there's anything going wrong, your coaches should be the first one to tell you. Yeah, you of course. Have to worry about it. your coach will tell you already. Like your you coach should, will be the one to tell you. Your coach should be the first and only person that you go to, and you should trust him because at yeah. the end of the day, if you're picking, a, if you want to win, you're going to pick a good coach who's done it before. Yeah. So he's going to know what he's on about and. He's going to know what process to take and what to do if he gets yeah. stubborn. And so just trust your coach, trust the process. Yeah. No, that's a good bit of advice. And so if from the depression side of things, what what, what would you advise coping-wise for depression? Um, it's a bit cliche, but speak to people about it and you'll, you'll soon realise that you're not the only person. Um, you, you'll be surprised at the people that you'll speak to and be like, oh, I feel that. Like I spoke to some woman at work who comes across dead like abrupt and like in your face and strong personality. And really, she's had a shit upbringing and she suffers really bad, but just hides it with the front that she gives off. And that's what people are scared of. You're just scared of being open at the end of the day. It's like we said earlier, it's it's a natural illness and people are scared of of talking about it. People are more than happy to go in and go, I've got flu, I've got man flu, or I've got tonsillitis. But as soon as it comes to mental health, no one wants to know, no one wants to speak about it, but yeah, that's more damaging what, than what having flu is. It's, uh, yeah, I see it, and I see it's just as common. It's just yeah, it as is. common as the cold. Yeah, of course it is. And like I said, look at the deaths that have occurred just through suicide. Yeah. How many people have died through flu? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so just be open and speak to people, and you'll be surprised at how many people are there to actually help. But people are just scared to approach people because they don't want to get it wrong and then put something in someone's head. So, no, well, that's sound bits of advice. Sound bits of advice, and I'm actually just going to let my um, listeners know because I know that there's a few competitors that do listen um, about the NFM mental health because it's muscle mental health muscle mental health. No, mental health muscle. Mental health muscle. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day. No, um, don't worry. Mental health muscle that we're doing the event. It's the am I right in saying it's the eighteenth of August? Uh, you are, yeah. Uh, yeah, the eighteenth of August. Um, and if you've not already got a ticket, I would definitely get on there because I don't think there's many left. Um, I know the tickets have been going pretty damn quick. But yeah, I think about thirty us, last time I checked or something yeah, like that. So they are like last week or something. So, um, yeah, I know they're going pretty quick. All the NFM ambassadors are going to be there. If you are struggling with mental health or you're worried, maybe you're coming, be an upcoming competitor or maybe you've struggled in the past, I definitely would say get yourself a ticket along for the event because that is going to be the place to go um, for sure. Yeah, because we're going to be there speaking about our experience as well. So, yeah, uh, obviously not saying like we're, we're the best, but... Getting some nice experience is more than your money's worth at the end of the day, isn't it? Like, yeah, exactly. So, going to be the speakers yeah. there. You can come and chat to us ambassadors. Um, yeah, absolutely for sure. I think it's it's going to be an absolutely fantastic event. Um, 
and by and just even going by the shows and stuff the competitions with nfm it's there's never it's you're never going to be disappointed no i don't think i've found someone disappointed yet (laughs) no exactly you're never going to be disappointed um so yeah definitely if if you're looking for a ticket definitely get yourselves along to that um it's in birmingham um it's in birmingham so in birmingham 18th of august um so yeah if, and if you're looking for a ticket just get onto one of us or get onto the nfm um official page to find out how to get a ticket um yeah so no that's fantastic callum that's been an, i can't believe how quick that's gone that's been an hour i know yeah it's gone rapid hasn't it <laughs> guess the guard i know yeah <laughs> I'm exactly the same. Definitely. Okay, Doc. Well, I'm just going to end that there. Have you got anything else you want to tell anybody? Oh, you also let people know where they can find you on Instagram and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. So just at Callum said all on Instagram, um, hit the follow button. And then if you ever want to chat, just just pop into my DMs. Uh, I'm quite um, fast at responding and I'm quite nice as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> people people think I'm not, but obviously I'm more than, more than happy to help. So, yeah, yeah, at Callum said all. And then, so it's. My last name spelled S I W D A W L because everyone gets it wrong. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Fine. I've got I've got I've got a difficult second name as well. And the best of it, people don't even call me by my name. The number, oh, no. people, the number of people come to me and call me Little Misfit because oh, <laughs> they don't know my name. They just know me as Man. Even people who know me, they they still call me Little Misfit because I'm Instagram. It's mad how it catches, isn't it? I know exactly. Um, yeah, so no, that's absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on and giving us your chit chat. It's been fantastic. It's been very informative. Um, yeah, so hopefully, I think a lot of people have taken away from that. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, it's been good. It's been good to get obviously our stories out. So fantastic.